So just a recap to begin with, last week we started to explore how mindfulness is not just about paying attention to the breath and only the breath. We begin there by developing a skill of mindfulness with the breath, because for most people the breath is relatively neutral and the natural rhythm of it can be soothing. So we learn how to steady the awareness on the experience of breathing. And then when we have some stability of mindfulness, we can begin to open up the field of our awareness to include other experiences, such as the experience of hearing that we were working with last week. And I also last week briefly mentioned two distinct aspects of mindfulness that I'd like to just foreground again tonight. One is that true mindfulness is not a static state. So the unfortunate translation into English as mindfulness, mindfulness is a noun. So it sounds like a thing that we have to get. But more in practice, it's a way of relating to experience. Um, Like any relationship, it's because experiences are constantly changing, the mindfulness itself needs to be responsive. So depending on circumstances, sometimes the mindfulness is more focused on just one small aspect of experience. And at other times it can open up to include a much wider range of experiences. So you might remember I use the analogy of a camera lens. And sometimes we're in macro mode and we're like zooming into all the tiny little details. Other times we've got the panoramic lens on and we're getting the whole landscape. So the second aspect I wanted to remind us of tonight is the non-reactive or non-judgmental aspect of mindfulness. So last week I used the image of a mirror and just as the mirror simply reflects whatever comes in front of it, in the same way we're training our mind to stay steady and unaffected by whatever appears there. Sometimes there's a misunderstanding that this non-reactivity means we're supposed to somehow train ourselves to be like an inert lump of stone or a block of wood. But the subtlety of this approach is that when we can stay present with what's actually happening without getting caught into our habitual reactions to it, we're more able to find a wise response. So it's not about just being passive. It's about finding that wise response. So sometimes we make a distinction between reacting or responding. And in this context, by reacting, I mean just that knee-jerk reflex or that autopilot habit that usually happens when there's no mindfulness. By contrast, when there is mindfulness, we can see more clearly what's actually going on in ourselves and for others. And then from that clear seeing, we can make a considered choice about how we want to respond. Does that make sense for people, that distinction between responding and reacting? So fairly early on in my practice, I was in a relationship, and I don't think this is unique to my relationship, But I started to notice that my partner and I would have these discussions that seemed to repeat. 
sometimes on pretty high rotation. And it was like he would say A and I'd say B and he'd say C and I'd say D and he'd say E and I'd say F and we would follow this same sequence. And after a while I'd think, why are we having that discussion again? We said exactly those same things last week. And then the next week we would find ourselves in the same pattern. And after I'd been meditating for a while, there was some point where we started to go into that sequence and he said C and I said D and he said F and I said Q and the whole thing shifted and he sort of looked and said something completely different and it was like there was a moment of choice opened up and I wasn't locked into that same pattern there was enough mindfulness to go I don't have to buy into that pattern again And it might sound trivial, but at the time it was just, it felt like such a victory (laughs) that I managed to subvert that loop or that groove that I'd kind of worn into my brain through habit. So they sometimes talk about the cow paths of the mind. And I think all of us have these cow paths, grooves that we tend to keep falling into. But with mindfulness, we can start to change the tracks. And that is actually an aspect of freedom. So, as I'm sure you'll know, easy enough to say, not so easy to actually do. And that's why the development of mindfulness is a gradual training. So, so far, we've mostly been focusing on the body. We've been practicing mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of body sensations, mindfulness of walking and hearing. So today I'd like to open up the awareness now to include mindfulness of our mental activity, of the mind itself. And actually we've all already been practicing that to some extent because how else do you know the breath except with the mind? How do you know that you are lost except with the mind? So each time we notice that the attention has wandered and we bring it back, we're practicing mindfulness of the mind. To bring awareness very directly to the mind, for most people, is pretty challenging because our thoughts happen so fast and are so compelling that often we don't even recognize that we're thinking until the bell rings and we're like, what, that was 30 minutes? (laughs) I've been sitting there planning my next holiday for 28 and a half minutes. Our thoughts happen so fast and quite often they have some kind of emotional component to them. And so that makes them sticky and we get very caught up in them. So this evening I'd like to start a hopefully gradual training in mindfulness of the mind by just beginning to touch into different aspects of mental activity so that we can practice staying present with them with the same attitude of non-reactive, bare awareness that we were bringing to sounds and to the breath and so on. So we're going to begin, as usual, with the body sitting and breathing. And then when the mindfulness is a little more stable, we can start to Notice what else is going on in our experience. And to do this, I'm going to be bringing in three pretty simple questions as a way of kind of taking a snapshot of what's happening in our experience in that moment. 
So the first question is, what's happening in the body? So even right now, you can take a moment just to notice any physical sensations that are predominant. And you can notice the overall energy of the body. So right now, any physical sensations? Anyone like to just name one that you're aware of? Barb? Yes. And what does that do for your body? Your body's fine. So, in terms of your body right now, what are you aware of? Um, Yeah, I can notice my back, my lower back. Bit of an ache. Bit of an ache. Yeah. Right. So you just notice a bit of an ache. How about energetically? How's the overall energy of the body? Fidgety thumbs, so you're aware of the thumbs moving. Great. So it's that simple. What's happening in the body? And then whatever's predominant, you just know or note that to yourself. And then you can ask a similar question in relation to the mind. Well, actually, I use the term heart-mind. Because in English, when we use the word mind... We tend to associate that with the intellect, just our cognitive functioning. But my understanding is that in most Asian countries, including the India of the Buddha's day, the term mind also includes our emotional life. So it encompasses more of what in the West we tend to think of as the heart. We have that sort of head-heart split. But this term heart-mind is an attempt to... um, help us understand that it includes the whole range of mental activity, not just intellectual thoughts, but also our emotions, our moods, and our mind state. So we can separate out what's happening in the mind into those four broad categories. So by thoughts, pretty straightforward. Any type of mental activity, such as remembering or planning, or visualizing, or imagining, or daydreaming, or replaying conversations, or hearing sounds in the mind, and so on. So right now, any particular thoughts that you're aware of? Anybody? Just take that snapshot. Can you name one thought that's predominant? One kind of mental activity? Trying to name it and it disappears. So disappearing. Yeah. So that's actually very common. I'll say more about that in a moment. You know, thoughts plague us until we give ourselves permission to look at them and then they all get stage fright and disappear. So that's fine. Then you notice in the mind nothing much. So that's just what you, you can name to yourself. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm still thinking about your previous question. You're still thinking? So then remembering. Right. So what's happening in the mind now is remembering or wondering or... Yeah. So in the moment, that's what's happening in the mind. So then emotions, again, more or less how we use it in English... They're a combination usually of physical feelings and mental feelings. 
So, for example, something like anger usually has a, a mental and a physical component. So when I'm angry, there might be heat in the face or a tightening in the jaw or a slight clenching of the hands and then often a buzz of sort of angry, agitated thoughts in the mind. Some of the emotions that we notice in meditation might be quite subtle. So it doesn't have to be something as obvious as anger. Might be just a trace of irritation if a loud motorbike was to go past. Or perhaps a more positive emotion, such as a feeling of warmth or gratitude. So anyone like to name any emotional tone that might be present right now? Just that momentary snapshot. I'm just thinking how yeah, interesting it is. So, interest, and yeah. Sort of reflecting on you know, mm-hmm. examples. Yeah, great. So, I'm kind of totally engrossed in how interesting Great. It is. Yeah, so good to notice that's the quality in the mind right now. Interest, engrossed, sounds alert. Yeah. yeah. And it's quite relaxing to feel interested. Yeah, and relaxing, so pleasant. Yeah, great. Anybody else? One emotion. Just one word. Enjoyment. Enjoyment. Great, great. Yeah, thank you. So emotions can be quite subtle. Then there are moods. And by moods, we mean more of those kind of Low grade, in the background, maybe a little more complex uh, emotion that kind of hangs around. But it still colors how we're experiencing the world. And they're often a composite of different emotions. So for example, you know, in English we say, I woke up in a really bad mood. Well, what does that actually mean? It might be minor irritation, a bit feeling flat or disconnected or maybe bored or sad or, you know, there's all these different things mushed in together. Or it could be a good mood. We might say, I'm in a really good mood. Well, what does that mean? Usually it's a mix of, say, gratitude or interest or aliveness or alertness, curiosity. So anyone have a sense of any sort of underlying moods that might be present. Was that a smile, a recognition, or? <laughs> yeah, so an underlying sadness, just a bit sort of down and in the background. Yeah, and then it might have spikes of a bit more intense. Sometimes just to be able to name it can be helpful. Yeah, thank you. Any other moods present? The word, it's not a mood, but the word calm keeps on. Calm. I just feel really calm. Yeah, so that's an interesting one because calm can sort of, I'm doing this with my hands because it does feel like it subtly morphs into pleasant, has little slight flavors of Emotion, perhaps, uh, happiness or stillness in the body. That might be a little more the last category, which is mind states. So by mind states, 
that's kind of any quality in the mind that we can recognize that doesn't have a distinct emotional tone to it. So, for example, things like calm or maybe clarity or dullness or fogginess or receptivity or resistance. So again, these are not necessarily clear-cut categories. They might morph into each other, but it can be helpful to notice those more refined states. So anyone else have an example of a mind state that might be present right now? You've got calm. Chilled, as in like just, yeah, relaxed, chilled, maybe a bit spacious or little. Gratitude. Gratitude, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. So, yeah. Flibberty gibbet. What does... Uh huh. So the mind just kind of popping from one thing to the next, not landing anywhere, just, yeah, that's a good word. I'll add that to my repertoire. <laughs> so you get a sense then, if you didn't already know, there's a lot going on in the mind on different levels that we can start to tune into. So coming back to that second question, what's happening in the heart mind? Right there, you're just invited to take a kind of snapshot and see what thoughts, emotions, moods, mind states are present right now. And sometimes if it's not clear, even just naming something, something, we're aware that something is going on. And later on, that something might become more clear. So then the third question is, how am I relating to this experience? So whatever you've just connected to in the body and the heart-mind, how am I relating to this experience? Or what's the attitude in the mind about it? So here we get to see any underlying reactivity to it. If it's pleasant, often there's some kind of wanting or enhancing or holding on. If it's unpleasant bit of resistance, not liking, the mind contracting. If it's neutral, often just some kind of spacing out. So that's actually quite a key question in any moment to notice. How am I relating to this experience? Because we can start to see the building blocks, perhaps of an amplification of disliking it, resisting it, or trying to prolong it. So because we're trying to be with our experience exactly as it is, if we notice some kind of reactivity, we try to just gently release that and be with what is. Just let it be. And we might even remind ourselves, okay, right now it's like this and it's okay. Like this, and it's okay. So, there's a lot more that could be said about all that. 
but I'd like to give us some time to actually practice. And just to come back to the point with Patrick, when we're invited, as we will be in a few moments, to turn towards our thoughts, it's very common that sometimes those thoughts seem to get stage fright and just vanish. They were plaguing us like crazy two minutes before. Now, poof, they've all gone. That's okay. You can simply name or note nothing or no thoughts or absence or stillness, whatever it might be. And that itself is actually a kind of thought, but it's just very light and in the background. So that's one common experience. The second is that when people are invited to pay attention to just knowing thoughts as thoughts, suddenly they amplify and there's a whole torrent of them and people start to feel quite disoriented. If that happens for you, you can simply know, okay, torrent or lots, lots, that's okay. You're not trying to stop the thinking. You also don't need to get caught up in trying to work out, was that a thought or was there a bit of emotion there? But maybe it was more of a mind state. But what did you say mind states was? Oh, I'm thinking, was that thinking? If that happens, you can simply note confusion and just let it be and come back to the breath, re-steady the mind and then begin again. Okay, so let's give that a try. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.